This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question is Jesus for Asia. Now, we usually record Bigger Questions before a live audience in Melbourne's CBD, but we weren't able to get our guest before a live audience today, but I'm sure you'll enjoy what we have in store. My guest is Dr. KK Yeo. KK is a Chinese scholar born in Malaysia, educated in the US and currently teaching in Chicago, Beijing and Jerusalem. He is the author of 35 books and has a particular interest in the dialogue between cultures of antiquity and modern times. KK is in Australia at the invitation of Overseas Council Australia and he joins me now. So KK, welcome to Bigger Questions. Thank you. Glad to be here, Rob. That's great. Um, now you teach in Jerusalem, New York and Beijing. Now, I take it you don't do this at the same time. Of course not. <laughs> no, no. Do you get confused where you are at those times? Uh, you're right. Uh, as far as the clock is concerned, I often have uh, at least two clocks uh, okay, going right. on. Yeah. So, you know so where... I'm often confused. Yeah. Okay, Seriously. So, yeah. so you're not so totally sure what time it is now? No. no. I don't know what day <laughs> it is. Yeah. Right, okay. Yes. Well, this is not either Chicago, Beijing or Jerusalem. We're in Melbourne. Today. Melbourne. Yes, that's right. You realise that? Is it near Beijing's time? <laughs> Probably. I think it's a bit close to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So do you have a favourite place where you like to teach, though? You know, uh, it's, it's funny that you ask these questions because, uh, you know, uh, I was born and raised in diaspora mm -hmm. uh, uh, outside China. My right. parents are from there. Okay. And because of that, I never felt at home in one particular place. Oh, okay. Right. So yeah. you have over like a nomadic years, existence, so Yeah, that nomadic consciousness, they yeah. call it. Uh. <laughs> but over the years, though, I mean, I, I learned uh, to find homes uh, every place. Right. So I can sleep uh, on the airplane and train stations or wherever. Right. Uh, okay. So a place where you rest is called home. Right. Okay. So you're a bit of a nomad then, a global yes. nomad, perhaps. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So KK, as you mentioned, you were born and raised in a, a Chinese Malaysian context, but you studied and now teach in the United States, and you call Chicago home. That's oh. your home base, yeah. Uh -huh. Now, it's common to describe the United States as representing Western culture and China representing Eastern culture. So what are the differences then between Eastern and Western cultures? Uh, there are a lot of differences, actually, uh, mm -hmm. between the East and the West uh, as far as cultures uh, are concerned. Yeah. We're not simply talking about, uh, you know, geographic uh, East or West. No, and it's beyond language as well. It's beyond languages. Well, languages has a lot to do with the worldview, yep. uh, the way we express uh, the cultures and so forth. Yep. For example, uh, because the Western culture, uh, the root is pretty much uh, from Greek and Romans, huh? so right. Greco-Roman yep. antiquity cultures, yep. that becomes the foundation of Western cultures. Yeah. So it's very precise. Yeah. Is very analytical. Yeah, uh, that you can see from the language. Yeah, but the uh, Eastern cultures, however, uh, the Oriental, yep. the Yin and the Yang. Yeah, right. Uh, that's focused on change rather than the Western of constant as the absolute. Right. Uh, in the Eastern culture, then it begins with relationship, and if it's relationship, though, it's about change. It's about dynamic. Uh, relationship, right? Okay. Uh, that's why when you cross over these two cultures, sometimes you're a bit uh, confused. Yes. So, do yeah. you get confused when you travel from east to west, so to speak? Or? Often do. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you kind of touch down and begin to kind of think about, you know, what is going on in a particular kind of setting, yeah. context, uh, then sometimes you don't know whether to use uh, precision 
or relationship, relationship. Okay. to measure. Yeah. So maybe we can use a couple of examples here to sort of flesh this out, uh -huh. this idea. So uh -huh. what's the difference between Eastern and Western sort of ideas of punctuality, for example? So well, from a Western view, yeah. so I would say if you say be there at 10 o'clock, then... Then it has to be precise. It has to be 10 o'clock. One past 10, you're one minute late. So yeah. what about in an Eastern context, though? No, the Eastern context uh, do not count on the watch or the clock right. uh, to talk about you know, what is punctual. Right. Uh, it's more like the chirotic, we call it the kairos time. Okay. The, the, the best ideal uh, opportunity when, it's, when it arrives. And that usually means that, you know, the boss or the important people or the parents or the grandparents, if there is in family kind of occasions, right. celebrations or party, right? Yeah. When they arrive, then that's the right that's time. That's the right time. Yeah. Right. To start. Even if they're an hour late, then it's... You have to wait for them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about the idea of queuing then, when you queue? So I'm, again, yeah. from a Western perspective, so I'd sort of line up in an orderly line. That, that, that's, what's that in an Eastern context? Well, the Eastern context uh, do not like uh, queuing, lining up. No, okay. Yeah, you know, I'm a fifth of uh, the eight uh, children my parents have. Yeah. You can imagine every time I have to queue up and the fifth one <laughs> don't get anything. That's unfair. Right, okay. So we just go up together. Okay, so there's yeah. sort of like a mob sort of thing. <laughs> so how does that affect you when you get on planes then from, from China? Well, you can imagine, the, you know, uh, when we get on plane and uh, all of us uh, would like to, to go to the front. Right, and yeah. get there as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. it may sound rude to the Westerner, but, mm -hmm. but this that's is how we do things. Is, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. So to, how, do you, how do you grasp with that when you engage these different cultures? Well, you definitely need a, a balance here. Uh, so by contrasting the East and the West, uh, we're not saying that which one is right and which one is wrong. Yes, that's right. Because simply can be, saying the balance. Because uh, there's a danger to think that one culture right. is superior to another. No, 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 that's not the way to go. No, 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 no. no. So therefore, the cross-cultural, uh, often the emphasis, right? Uh, the cross-cultural uh, kind of ideal one needs to learn. Yeah. I.e., you need to know what is uh, the pluses of the the Eastern yep. and the pluses of the mm. Western, and it depends on the contextual kind of issues yeah. and be able to use both mm. resources. But does culture change at all, though? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, That's so the challenge. Is Eastern and Western culture changing? Oh yeah, traditional Chinese culture is very different from you know uh, what we have now, the modern uh, Chinese culture. And over a period of times, uh, two thousand, three thousand years. Of course, uh, there is a cross fertilizations between the East and the West. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and today we talk about globalizations. Right? Yes, yes. That's also bring about those changes. So, what about the role of religion then? Is there a difference in the place of religion in an Eastern or a Western culture? A lot of similarities. One distinctive difference will be the Jewish sense of monotheism, mm -hmm. which is quite distinctive. Yeah, and then the traditional Chinese. A polytheistic. So polytheism, multiple polytheism, gods. Polytheism, multiple like, gods. Yeah. Uh, so it's the Greco-Roman. Yeah. 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 So, so religion has a, a role in both cultures. Then you'd say. I would say in all cultures. Right. In all it cultures. Has, yeah. It has been uh, always the, the kind of driving force for ethics. Right. Mm -hmm. And then for communal life. Right. Uh, together. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then, what about the Christian faith? Would you say that's a Western religion? Well, the Christian faith is the combination of both uh, uh, East first and then West, mm -hmm. in a sense that East would represent that uh, traditional Oriental, right. the Hebraic culture, yeah. and then plus the uh, Greco-Roman, which is the Western uh, civilizations. Right. So I would say uh, Christianity you know, embrace uh, the best of the East and the West. Right, yeah. okay. 
Yes. So one, the East, of course, it will be the religious faith, right? Yeah. Monotheistic faith. Yeah. And then the East here uh, will be the more philosophical uh, management, practical cultures uh, mm. of Greco-Romans. Mm. Uh. But there are some people today who would say that they see Christianity sort of dominate in Western countries, so to speak, and they would assume that therefore it's a Western religion. Is, uh, is that's not quite correct uh, because uh, they are simply focusing on what's after AD 100 later on, right? when uh, kind of uh, Christianity uh, begins to spread among the uh, Roman Empire. And then it becomes the Western uh, uh, civilizations, right? Right, yeah. Uh, but before that, I mean, Christianity, it's in the Middle East. In terms of geography and uh, worldview. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so How's technically it? speaking, I mean, it's, you know, Judaism and Christianity is actually a Middle East and Oriental kind of religion. Mm. But even the modern day, though, you'd say that sort of countries that you'd say are Christian, so to speak, sure. in inverted commas, sort yeah. of uh, European countries, North America, perhaps yeah. even, even Australia. The Christian West, yeah. and then the uh, North Atlantic uh, kind of regions, you know, uh, all yes. these are yeah. so predominantly uh, Christian. Yeah. But you see uh, the shifting again of this Christianity in those parts of the world seems to be shrinking, mm -hmm. at least in terms of uh, membership, church membership. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's fair even today to talk about uh, Christianity in terms of membership as largest in the uh, uh, Western yes. uh, hemisphere anymore. Right. It's yeah. not accurate. So uh, there are a lot of growth in Africa. Yep. A lot of growth in uh, India, China, yeah. in South Korea. Yes. Now you've written a book called What Does Jerusalem Have to Do with Beijing? So what do you mean by that title? You know, as a, playing on what uh, Tertullian, uh, the church father, uh, the philosopher, yeah. is, has asked what has uh, Athens uh, to do with uh, Jerusalem. Right, yeah. So what he's asking, of course, is what has Greek philosophy, Athens, uh, yeah. uh, to do with Jerusalem, i.e. Uh, the Christian faith or yeah. the Bible. Yeah. So I play on that a little bit and say that what has Jerusalem, i.e. Christian faith, the Bible, yep. has to do with Beijing, uh, i.e. Uh, the Chinese culture. Yes. Yeah. So in that book, then, I go through various examples in Chinese cultures that are in conversation and in actually agreement uh, right. with the biblical faith. Yeah. Okay, so what, what sort of things did you discover? I discovered, for example, Dao, D-A-O, as Taoism, yeah. uh, which is an ancient Chinese school of wisdom traditions. Mm -hmm. It's about the way, the language, the principle, the logic. So I discovered that the Chinese Bible translates uh, the Gospel of John. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. Yes, that's right. But in, in uh, Greek, it's uh, in the beginning was the Logos. Yes. The Chinese translator translated it as in the beginning was the Tao. Right. D-A-O. Wow, so there's Beautiful a, translations. Right, it has the same yeah. sort of concept yes. in connotations. Yes. Yeah. So then how do people from a Chinese background then view Jesus? Did they see him as this Tao? This well, unless, this uh, yeah, they go through some of the biblical texts, although it's, it's, it's still quite foreign uh, for them, yeah. partly because of the missionary uh, history where we were taught that you simply have to, you know, from the English and from the Western kind of perspective to understand uh, Jesus. After yeah. all, in a lot of the Chinese churches, I mean, the, the Jesus portrait, you know, okay, is right. the blonde hair, uh, blue <laughs> eyes. Seriously, yeah. I mean, Jesus. This is this was this is what the missionaries there. brought to China. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm doing uh, in China is is uh, to teach them 
uh, that's a distorted uh, portrait uh, right. for the Chinese okay, yeah. culture. So, so what sort of portrait yeah. of Jesus do they, do they see? They need to see uh, Jesus uh, in the cultural lands, mm -hmm. in the language of the Chinese uh, people. Then they're able to discover, wow, yeah, Jesus can connect uh, to the Chinese uh, culture easily mm -hmm. you know, through Tao, through the Confucianist uh, understanding of uh, love, and indeed, uh, the Chinese Bible, again, once they translate uh, the divine love, the agape, that uh, concept, they use the Confucianist word to translate that. So did, then does someone then have to reject Eastern culture to become a Christian? I don't think it's a total kind of rejection. For biblical uh, readers, uh, readers of the Bible, then you need to discern which part of your uh, cultures becomes a hindrance for you to understand this Jesus, which one can be used as a lens helpfully mm. for you to appreciate uh, mm. Jesus. Mm. Uh, it's on a continuum of the negatives uh, through the positives and kind of find it, you know, right. which one would work. Yeah. So there's some parts uh, of the uh, biblical story, so to speak, that right. Eastern color, culture embraces or that's can right. understand, but there yeah. are other parts which perhaps yeah. are more difficult. Yeah. So for example, maybe yeah. ancestor worship. Yeah. And that's a key uh, yeah. religion in Eastern You're culture, right. so to speak. So how, how does yeah. Jesus inform that? Yeah. Uh, well, ancestral worship is a very complex uh, cultural system mm -hmm. in uh, China. Yeah. So uh, I did. Uh, I wrote a book on that and arguing that you know you you need to go through that whole list and understand. For example, uh, respecting your elders. Of course, I mean that's a biblical uh, virtue. Yeah. Uh, teaching even uh, you yes. need to respect, but it's not a blind kind of obedience uh, to uh, your parents or your elders. Yeah. Then we need to uh, talk about then any harmful negative things that we need to reject yes for example the fear about not doing uh, ancestors worship and then the belief the chinese believe that the evil ghost the evil spirit yeah. <laughs> would come and haunt you yeah i mean that's based on fear yeah and the gospel here has allowed to speak to the chinese people then that you know fear cannot control us yeah because jesus what jesus do is to bring us trust, love rather than fear. Yeah. And that freedom ones have, you know, uh, love casts out fear. Yes. yes. So that portion of the uh, ancestor worship, I would say we need to cast it out. Yes. We need to reject it. Mm. So I'm saying that in ancestor worship too, we should not simply give a yes or no simple answer. Right. We have to help the community wrestle with the conscience, wrestle with the cultural uh, values and free people out of fear and kind of push them, you know, uh, upward into a more spiritual kind of respecting uh, the elders. Now, in 2014, the famed atheist Richard Dawkins once tweeted, how thoughtful of God to arrange matters so that wherever you happen to be born, the local religion always turns out to be the true one. So what do you make of what Richard Dawkins said? But is it true, though? I mean, so that's the, my that, first question. That's what, that's what he, that's what that's he right. suggests. He, he suggests he's, that, He's yeah. suggesting this, this is yeah. true, that so your religion that you have is only a matter of yeah. where you're born. Yeah, no, that's not true in my own experience. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking, you know, is that true? Uh, because from my own experience, uh, I was, uh, you know, born and raised into a Confucianist uh, family. But very early on in my uh, uh, school days, like eight or nine, I begin to doubt even right. uh, Confucianism, Confucianism. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. even though as an ethical system, it's great, yeah. I would say. But in terms of the kind of spiritual quest, looking for something that is beyond 
you know, the human dimension of life on earth here. Yeah. I'm looking for something else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fulfillment of my heart. I don't think uh, Confucianism is helpful. Right. That's why I begin to explore then a Buddhism. Right. I thought Buddhism would give me a, a better uh, response okay. uh, to my questions. Yeah, to because you big questions, I said, bigger yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the bigger questions. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. And then I explore into, you know, uh, Judaism and uh, Greek and uh, Romans. Uh, philosophy and so forth. Wow. So even even that, from my personal experience, I don't agree uh, with him. So they're pretty big questions to be asking as an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. What did you find with the the problems with Confucianism? Well, it took me I have to say seven or eight years, though. I mean, okay, uh, to to begin to work out uh, certain things. Confucianism is uh, ethical, uh, kind of moral. I wouldn't even call it religion. It's a system. Yeah. yeah. It's more like Aristotelian kind of ethics. Yeah. It has great things to say about human relationship yeah but it's not able to address the questions where am i from yeah where am i going yeah what is the meaning of life so all these big questions i mean it did not uh, address uh that's why i have to look elsewhere and so tell us about your quest what did you so what did as you I, find? of course in then you know from uh, eight or nine years old onward in all the courses that i'm taking even in primary and secondary school yeah and high school I mean, these are these are the courses give me uh, the inquiry, mm-hmm. uh, looking into. So I love mathematics, I yep. love physics, I love uh, outer space, uh, astronomy, that kind of things. Uh, those are helpful, but still couldn't answer completely my my uh, uh, question. It is in uh, an Anglican uh, uh, mission is set up uh, high school. Yeah, uh, that there is a scripture union. Mm-hmm. Uh, organizations uh, that uh, you know help uh, Christians and non-Christians to do Bible study together. Okay. So my Christian friends then brought me to that so you, group. Yeah. So you joined them. I joined them uh, to argue with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For three months. Okay. <laughs> I'm not convinced what, that. What were you arguing about? Well, I'm stubborn and I don't think uh, you know Christians friends uh, they are they are strong. Uh, they are simply intellectually weak. Yeah. Uh, psychologically weak. That's why they need a savior. Yeah. Yeah, that's my assumption. So okay. I argue with them. Uh, but then to, uh, what convinced me, though, uh, is not in terms of argument. Uh, what they convinces me is um, the love, the relational aspect that they show me. They care for me. Right. They, they're able to accept me, even though I disagree with them. Yeah. So it begins to, to open up for me to think about personhood, about human dignity, about who we are. And then later on, I found out that, wow, each individual's human beings are created in the image of God. Yeah. That's mind-boggling. Yeah. I could never imagine uh, that we human beings um, are created you know, in the image of God, which is the glorious image, of course. Mm. Right? So I thought, what, what made you so surprised at that? I think inside, inside uh, me, I think also inside each one of us, that we want to be loved. We want to be respected. We want to be cared for. Right? Uh, i.e. if we treat one another as less than human, I mean, that's the worst uh, treatment we can give to one another. Right. Uh, but yeah. because they care for me. Mm. So even though I have questions about who Jesus is and all the biblical kind of uh, questions that I have, uh, that becomes secondary. Mm. So as I, as I then study or read the Bible, then I begin to you know pay attention to the personhood of God. Yeah. Who yeah. is this Trinitarian God? Yeah. You know, uh, why this community uh, of three in one wow. that they are actually not in terms of logic cold logic yeah <laughs> but in terms of love yeah that three in one one in three mm. 
so as that, a community. Did that resonate with your sort of Eastern cultural very un- much so understanding? Yeah, yeah, because the Confucian's ethics is all about the, that community. Yes, and so you saw a community in the Trinity. So it's kind of funny, right? Yeah, in one sense that I don't truly trust uh, the ethics of Confucius, but on the other on the other hand, the language system that they helped me to. Yeah, grasp with the connection uh, yeah, with yeah. Uh, Christianity. But you went from arguing with the Christians to yeah, then slowly, slowly, yeah, to seeing that actually, you, this might work for you. Was there a particular moment where you felt like this is actually for me, or that that convinced you about Jesus? Well, uh, in the Book of Revelations, for example, it talks about uh, Jesus being uh, the Alpha and the Omega, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first and the last uh, yeah. letter of the Greek language. Yes, uh, alphabet. Uh, so uh, it's talking about Jesus then is the first before anything else and Jesus is there and then the last you know yeah. after all things have gone away or whatever I mean, he's still there yeah so that philosophical understanding of uh, Jesus uh, is indeed this cosmic first and last mm. and of course uh, in between uh, that his life and teaching right including the cross death resurrection and the coming uh, so that grounded for me in terms of the meaning of my life, that I have a life story connected to that. Mm. So I'm not simply limited to this little boy brought up in the Kuching, yeah. <laughs> a small space, <laughs> but I have a bigger story. Yeah. So that curiosity and exploration connected uh, to this cosmic uh, uh, story, this figure, is really, really releasing. Mm. Uh, gives me a lot of uh, freedom and hope. Yeah. yeah, about my life, the meaning of my life. Yeah. Wow, terrific. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. So, mm-hmm. it means that Richard Dawkins' quote there, but you know, where you happen to be born, the local religion turns out to be true, just isn't true in your own personal experience. Isn't true in, in my own experience. In your own experience, mm-hmm. yeah. And I suppose what you've observed in others as well, That's as right. you've gone around the world. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're asking Dr. K.K. Yo today's big question, is Jesus for Asia? And the Bible speaks about something of this in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, which we've just talked about. Revelation speaks in a picture language about events in the future. And one image appears in chapter 5 where there is a vision of a lamb who is Mm. on a throne Mm. who is deemed worthy to open a scroll with seven seals. Mm. It says, Then the creatures around the throne sing a song to the lamb, and in verse 9 say, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Mm. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, mm. and they will reign on the earth. Mm. Now, so KK, this is possibly a strange picture language to our ears, our modern our ears. Modern ears. Mm. But what is meant by these visions? What's, mm. he, what's, what's, what's the author trying to mm. communicate here? Well, uh, the book of Revelation used a lot of a symbolic Yes, uh, picture language, language. pictures yeah. language. Yeah, is because he is trying to describe for us a reality uh, that is above uh, our present reality. Yes. So I think that's that's Im- important to keep in mind. Yeah. You can only use music, sound, worship in a different kind of dimension, you know, uh, to understand uh, uh, what God is creating, and at the end would fulfill yeah. the consummation uh, piece. So in this text here, um, uh, the author of, of Revelation is describing the people that God is saving through Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not simply from Europe or USA yes. or Australia, yeah. but it's worldwide. Yes, well, it says yeah. from every, every tribe and language yeah. and people and nation. So he says that he's purchased for God um, with his blood. So this is when Jesus 
dies on the cross. That's, that's right. That's, that's, the, that, that's what he's, the language he's trying to communicate right. here. Yeah. And so what do you then make of this line? So he's purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. How do you react to that? That means the uh, Christian uh, gospel is not only made available, but it is effective in terms of saving anyone from you know every tribe every language every people and every nations yeah i.e universal so then do you think that people will retain their distinctiveness as their tribe or race indeed in this vision indeed yeah. uh, so by mentioning you know the um, um, multiple kind of uh, uh, languages or cultures or people groups and so forth doesn't mean that uh, god at the end would erase would delete you know all the cultural distinctiveness right. in fact it, it is for the sake of maintaining uh, all the uniqueness in each uh, cultures and language. Yeah. So it's a beautiful way for the church to be able to kind of focusing, lifting up uh, the uniqueness of each, each. and yet uh, gluing all in unity uh, through the blood of Christ, mm. uh, through so the love of Christ. Do you think this is a positive thing? Or I think this is a positive thing yeah. because this is uh, you know, uh, not buying into homogeneity. Mm-hmm. Uh, our modern world often wants to do you know, uh, to be the same, yeah. right? Uh, and it's also going against segregations, which in our modern world, we often go for um, this convenient way of doing things, yeah. you know, homogeneity or uh, segregation. So there's true diversity. That you true see. diversity and true unity yeah. uh, in Christ. So is this different then to a sort of a Buddhist or a Confucian vision of the future? It's very different. I've never seen any other uh, religious movement talk about like what Revelations here is talking about, you know, uh, affirming the uniqueness and yet uh, talking about that mutuality, yes, uh, peace and the diversity, the, the, and the diversity. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just beautiful. Huh? Yeah. It's hard to do though, so we're not saying it's easy to do. So yeah. sometimes uh, the church would uh, not done enough or even fail. Yeah. Therefore, we need to repent. Yeah. We need to uh, come to the text again and be washed again. Mm. Yeah. And do the repentance. Mm. But there's always a hope eschatological hope, this vision that draw us forward. Yeah. This is what the church needs to count on. So do you think in this vision of the future there will be orderly cues or will people will be sort of <laughs> milling around? No, it's going to be messy. <laughs> so will it be Eastern or Western culture, do you think? I think it's in between. Right. Okay. I think it's in between and there'll be flux and changes and you know shifting and so forth. So the church is always a messy place. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So thank you very much for Thanks our conversation for here today, yeah. KK. I just want to wrap up with final, mm. one final question. So KK, is Jesus for Asia? Uh, Jesus uh, definitely is for Asia, uh, even though uh, I have quali- qualified by saying that uh, Jesus uh, is also for non-Asia. Mm-hmm. So we probably have to say that Jesus is for the world, Jesus is for Asia, Jesus is for Europe. Uh, and then our responsibility is to be able to communicate and interpret well uh, in what ways he is for Asia, you know, for Australia, uh, for Malaysia, and so forth. Mm. Well, thank you very much again for joining us here today, KK. Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to this big question, is Jesus for Asia? From Revelation 5, 9 to 10. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks again to our guest today, Dr. K.K. Yeo. Thank you. Cheers.
Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.